2: This is make it M I P with so Mark Thompson. Make it kind. Get woke. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, it is Thursday. You know what that means? That means it is time for Thursday Coast with founder of Daily Coast and the founder of Civics with a Q, Marcos Melitzis, is here with us. Hey, buddy. How are
1: you this week? Doing good. I just realized that you put Marjorie Green Taylor on the yeah. rapper. Yeah, <laughs> you like that? Ew! <laughs> 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 with the, with, with what that. a great story that is. I, I, yeah. Sorry yeah. that. Uh, no, that's. Your, that's your, not, your, yeah, but, that's what we're talking I'm talking about. Just, I'm, I'm just amazed at, that 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 uh, Kevin McCarthy is going to basically force his caucus to have an up and down vote on, on her and put them all on record one way or the other. And, and, you know, the majority's leader job is to, or a caucus leader's job is to protect its members. And so when people get really angry at Chuck Schumer and they get really angry at Nancy Pelosi because she doesn't do X, Y, Z, most of the time that they don't do the sort of progressive right thing, is because they want to protect Joe Manchin who might be running for re-election in the state that Donald Trump won by 40 points. Or Nancy Pelosi may be trying to protect some rural Democrats that represent Trump districts. So that's her job. And Mitch McConnell is so afraid of Donald Trump, who's holed up down in Florida with really no way to really communicate. (laughs) He's sort of been deplatformed everywhere. And they're still so afraid of him that they're going to force all of these republicans to uh to have this tough vote on marjorie green taylor and whether she should have committees i mean somebody who's a raging anti-semite and a murderous loon and now they're going to own her they either vote against the democratic motion and uh and basically in 2022 you know that's going to be the democratic campaign right it's so and so congressman from q and you're going to point to this vote to to uh for evidence or they're going to vote and strip her of her committee assignment. And then you're going to have like MAGA Q nation, just like descend on them and challenge them in the primary. So they're in a no win situation all because Kevin McCarthy is apparently too scared of Trump individually to, to just strip her of her committees. They they did it with Steve King. So I don't know why she is specially special or different than what they did with Steve King.
2: What is the fear? of someone who's been deplatformed. That's what I don't get. The, the power that he had was on his platforms. Many of his followers have been deplatformed. I, what is it that McCarthy and them are and McConnell are afraid of? That's what I'm not getting.
1: I mean, McConnell has been speaking more forcefully against Trump. Now, will that translate to a vote to convict? That's a big question. And I think that really is going to come down to whether he thinks that those corporate PACs are going to continue to cut off donations to Republicans. Those corporate PACs claim that they will unless the Republican Party distances itself from Donald Trump and Q. Who knows, right? I mean, that's, that's sort of the game of chicken that McConnell is playing. I think he's just trying to really figure out how... Legitimate those threats really are. So there's that question. McConnell only cares about the money. There's really nothing else. McCarthy, on the other hand, I mean, he's he's really scared of Trump. He went down there and, and showed weakness, right? By by having that that weird summit with Donald Trump. And yeah, he 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 can't get the word out. He still has his email list. Uh, he's still going to have money. But we know that money does not drive political elections in the way that most people think they did. Uh, When you look at the the runoff in Georgia, right? Oh, like $600 million was spent in, in two months. Nobody's mind was changed. Not a single person. Yet you have an organization like uh, the new Georgia project. That's Stacey Abrams organization that she founded. They have a budget of 5 million, $5 million a year. they, and they actually registered and turned out people to vote by the hundreds of thousands. That is what moves numbers is organizing on the ground, not $600 million in ads. Now, do we actually think Trump's going to organize underground? <laughs> He's not going to do that. So they run a bunch of ads that really don't have an impact. Um, you're going to have primary challengers. They're, they're going to walk around with a Trump endorsement. I mean, Trump doesn't need a Twitter account to, to endorse Marjorie Green Taylor and all her little clones that are sure to pop up next year, but um, is that enough to win a midterm election? I don't know. I would bet that it's going to be a liability, more of a liability than it is going to be a help. And yeah there's some really deep red districts that are going to maybe fall to Q candidates. I mean, I, I think that's going to happen regardless, but the battleground is going to remain in the suburbs. And I don't think there's anything worse for the Republican brand than to rally around somebody who claims there are Jewish space lasers creating forest fires in California. And that's just a reality. And we've seen, McCarthy tried to get her to po- apologize, to walk some of that stuff back. And she's just doubling down on all of it.
2: Yeah. Um, she's also said, by the way, that Hillary Clinton um, scans children and wears their faces. So, no. You that.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, people play really well in the suburbs. <laughs> so
2: some of the punditry, because I guess they have nothing else to talk about and they have to criticize Democrats saying that Biden needs to be more bipartisan, needs to be very careful about this COVID relief bill. They're going to blow it in the midterms. So we put that on a scale. And like you said, the suburbs, let's put that on a scale. Fighting for COVID relief and making bold decisions like that versus Marjorie Taylor Greene in the suburbs. I I don't see. Yeah.
1: And Mark, we, we, we spent eight years of the Obama campaign Really, just tearing our hair out over Obama's like desperation for bipartisanship defined by getting Mitch McConnell to play nice with him. And Mitch McConnell, <laughs> he played him. He played him just by denying him any support, flat out saying, We're, you know, our job is to make him a one term president, you know, just to, he didn't even pretend. And Obama kept just begging him for, for, for uh, that support, that bipartisan, and nobody cares. I mean, the Civil Rights Act passed by one vote. Does anybody go back and go like, "Uh, yeah, it wasn't bipartisan"? So, does anybody cash their social look at their Social Security check and go like, "Yeah, I'm not going to cash this because it was not a bipartisan vote in in, in Congress when this thing passed"? Right? <laughs> People don't give a damn about bipartisanship. They care about results. In one of the ways that Republicans have have uh, sort of Turn people against government is by breaking it. They break it when they're in power. I mean, that is literally their philosophy. Uh, Trump sort of proves, sort of highlights that. But also by breaking government when Democrats are in power. So then they can say, see, Democrats can't fix anything for you. So therefore, uh, government can't work. And if the idea that government doesn't work um, solidifies in the electorate, that benefits Republicans. I mean, this is the whole Ronald Reagan, famous Ronald Reagan quote that the the scariest words in the American language are, or in the English language, I'm here from the government and I'm here to help. I'm from the government, I'm here to help. So that's what needs to be hit head on. And I got to say that Biden and everybody in that administration seems to have learned that lesson from the Obama years, and they're not playing uh, Biden invited those ten Republicans. They spent two hours talking. Those Republicans walked out, and Biden said, "Nope, still doing one still doing one point nine trillion dollars." They are refusing to back down. They are realizing that in the end, what people are what going to judge this administration and the Democratic Party is: did we deliver uh, measurable improvement in their lives? And there's no doubt that $1.9 trillion in in relief and in checks to to most people and uh, help for cities and states that are under, you know, crushing debt because of COVID and the resulting economic chaos, all those things. There's no doubt that this is going to be an improvement in people's lives. I wish it was $3 trillion, but hey, almost $2 trillion is pretty freaking good. And we're seeing this not just in COVID relief, but we're seeing this when talking about immigration, when talking about climate change. This administration is thinking we're going to go big because that's what the American people need to see. And when you talk about bipartisan, Biden has made very clear that he's defining bipartisan as in pursuing policies that are popular with the American people, including rank and file Republicans outside of Washington, D.C. And it's true. I mean, there's a Republican pollster that that, that uh, showed, this was one of Trump's pollsters, 75% of Americans uh, agree with a national mask mandate. That is bipartisanship because it includes Republicans as well. That is bipartisanship. Who gives a damn if Mitch McConnell doesn't agree? He doesn't get to decide because he's not representing the American people. He's not representing the 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 entirety of the Republican populace out in the States. He's representing the Q destructive nihilistic caucus. And so he no longer having having backed up Trump in his attempt to subvert democracy, I don't even think he's a credible, he's not even a credible um person when discussing our national politics anymore. None of them are. Unless they vote to convict and unless that they introduce legislation we uh, turning back the Trump billionaire tax cuts. If they do those two things. I'm going to start taking them a little bit more more seriously. But right now, they're a joke.
2: Going big means, to you're saying, that Democrats in two years would still be able to hold the House and the Senate.
1: If the argument is we made your life better, we delivered X, Y, and Z. Then clearly the argument is better. If the argument is what it wasn't in in uh, uh, 2010, Obama's first midterm, where nothing had passed, nothing had passed. In fact, even the Affordable Care Act, which had passed, hadn't taken effect. So there was literally nothing to point to. And the Republican argument was was they did nothing for you. It's just they they they're crazy and radical and delivered nothing for you, the, norm, you know, the average American person. So yeah, it's, it's about delivering big. And in this case, it's even different than 2010, because even in 2010, there was a little bit more of a swing constituency that could go back and forth, right? Now, I think that's almost all gone. We are so, radical, so polarized between left and right that keeping our base engaged is going to be the key to, to making gains in the House and the Senate. In, in, in uh, 2022. And uh, we just saw that in Georgia, where we held our partisans in the runoff election in January. They didn't, because Trump wasn't on the ballot. And, you know, Biden won Georgia by 11,000 votes. <clears throat> the Reverend, uh, now Senator Raphael Warnock, won it by like 80,000 votes because we made an argument for more government checks. Uh, for more help to people who need help and for the rejection of Trumpism. And that message resonated really well, but now you had to deliver. Like we won on those promises. Our people were engaged and motivated and turned out in numbers that still blow my mind. And so we have to be able to go into 2022 saying, uh, voting for Democrats paid off for you. It literally tangibly paid off for you. And now here's what else you're going to get if you vote us into even bigger office. Oh, that, that's, uh, that's very important. So let
2: me go back to the Republicans for a minute, though. If, again, the fear is of a group of people that are deplatformed, platformed underground, on the internet, the, the deep, whatever you call it, deep net, I think that's what it's called. Are they also saying to us, admittedly, That that's the Republican Party of today. That's the base that is not even something above ground It's something deep and burrowed (laughs) and in the in the sewers of of disinformation. I mean, because if that's the case. I mean, how how many more signs do we need that this is a an irrelevant political party might all it might even be to our advantage for the Democratic Party to, you know, break off into satellites and form some other parties so we can just push the Republican party out of the room altogether.
1: I mean, it, it, would be, it would be great if you had sort of a rational centrist party and then a leftist party, and then they were doing battle, right? I mean, that, I'm, I'm almost okay with seeing Joe Manchin and Lisa Markowski sort of uh, play in their own sandbox and uh and while we're you know building this left party and there's just a prompt almost irrelevant um conservative right-wing neo-nazi party that'd be great i actually don't think that the republicans as the modern trump republicans are irrelevant right now because there's a lot of them and they are the bulk of the base of the republican party i mean what you know 80 percent still support donald trump it's gone down gone down but it's still about 80 percent so it it um it, it makes it really really and this is what mcconnell and and mccarthy the republican leaders that's what they're looking at and being you know freaking out about is that their rank and files still their donors don't like donald trump um but the rank and file are 100 percent bought into trumpism and so that's going to be a challenge now what happens you deplatform a lot of that stuff you 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 keep putting pressure on Facebook to make sure that stuff doesn't proliferate. you send them off to fringe places like gab and um and uh you know whatever the dark web corners eight con and all those things. You send them off, it actually will limit their ability to expand into the future. But I think there's a really strong, dangerous core there that's that's going to take a while to burn itself out. And, and and I actually think it's going to burn itself out. These movements sort of tend to do that. They'll turn on each other. These are horrible, hateful people. And it's inevitable inevitable that they turn on each other. Um, just look back to Occupy and seeing how that flame died after a while. I mean, these, these movements burn bright. And, uh, and with a, with a sort of Trump being deplatformed and off in the fringes, I mean, it makes it a lot harder to rally around him. So I actually think Ben Sass and, uh, Liz Cheney, who are, they're making a bet that they'll be able to reclaim the Republican Party from Trumpism. I actually think that's probably the smarter bet, but it's not a guaranteed bet and it may not happen in two or four years. I think the long term bet is that, that sanity, prevails just because American politics are gonna need that equilibrium. But, but who knows, Mark, right? I mean <laughs> the rules don't matter anymore and norms are shattered and everything is different. So Fact, who knows? Facts don't matter. Actual facts do not
2: matter. That's the other thing. Uh, this woman running around with a Trump one mask and, you know, all the stuff that's on the internet and the dark web. It, I mean we people talked about Obama the being the the advent of a post racial America, we know that wasn't true, but no. Trump was definitely uh, the codification of a post factual <laughs> America. So people just say whatever. I mean, it's just just literally not true, and it's okay. Um, false reality, false life. Um, civics, look at had a chance to look at anything lately of interest.
1: Um, you know, some of the fun things are that. Joe Biden is more popular with the American people now than Donald Trump ever was in his entire time as not just president, but also president-elect. So already this notion of being more bipartisan, the real kind of bipartisan, not the fake Mitch McConnell bipartisan, but real bipartisan is already paying dividends. Uh, I also, unfortunately, I think it helps that Biden is a white guy. I think things would look a lot different if we were talking about Kamala Harris, President Harris or President Warren at this time. But it is what it is. Biden is actually, <laughs> he's off to a good start. So I don't want to complain. I just want to get to the place where in American society, it doesn't matter if it's a white man, uh, that they get treated the same. Uh, Joe Manchin, you know, caved on $1.9 trillion after making a big, noise about it. And his biggest gripe about this whole thing was when Kamala Harris went and talked to a newspaper in West Virginia. Because you can't have the black woman go talk to a newspaper. You need to run it by him so she has her But Joe Biden calls him in and says, uh, you know, you got to jump aboard and you got you to vote for this thing. Then he's cool. He showed more deference to, to uh, Joe Biden than he ever did to either Barack Obama or to Kamala Harris, right? So this is I'll take the benefits of it, but but not be happy about what it sort of means to uh, American society. But it is what it is. I think we're we're moving forward. This Democratic caucus at fifty senators is more cohesive ideologically than when Obama had a sixty uh, Democratic sixty right. Democratic right. senator Senate. Um, so I know this is sort of me being the old guy talking about. Uh, way back in the day, but people just really, people anybody that complains about the Democratic Party right now really would not have lasted five minutes <laughs> when it was Joe Lieberman, Max Baucus, Ben Nelson, Joe Manchin. Uh, but Joe Manchin with backup, you know, about 15 senators uh, that were just as bad as Joe Manchin, you know. And now it's like two, it's Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, And I'm betting that Cinema will be a much better senator after she wins re-election. I think she still, she still thinks that Arizona is more conservative than it actually is at this point. Um, she'll loosen up. She, <laughs> I, and, I think. Yeah, I've I got drunk with her and she's 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 left. I mean, <laughs> she's not a conservative Democrat. Uh, um, and
2: Kelly's win in Arizona proves it's not as red, right? Yeah.
1: No. It, yeah. Both both Biden and yeah. Uh, and Kelly. And Kelly wasn't even particularly close. So Arizona is shifting. A lot of that was built on Latino vote and and American Indian vote. And so there may be some fear still about their ability to come out in the non-presidential year. And uh, I don't think it's an unreasonable fear. Now we just saw in Georgia that our people are willing to come out in non-presidential, you know, with a president not on the ballot, right? The black vote was actually, I think as a percentage was even higher in the runoff than it was in the general election. And Latino and Asian vote, you know, it it came out, the youth vote, it came out. So I'm hopeful that those days where we had the big drop-offs are gone. And I think if it is, then I think you're gonna see different uh cinema. So that leaves Manchin, and Manchin, Poor guy, he's stuck in a state where it's like, you know, Trump won by like 40, 40%. I mean, it is it is rough. So I'm willing to cut him some slack. I actually am. But don't be saying that the pre- vice president can't talk to a new sweeper in your state. What is that? Like, no, don't do that. The vice
2: president. Well, since you brought that up. Lastly, when does, when do we get ready for her or when does Kamala get ready for 2024? I mean, that's really... The elephant in the room: Joe can't run for a second term.
1: I mean, he can. He's he's healthy. Um, he's not pissing anybody off on the base. He's not. He's not. I mean, we four years is a long time. We know that, right? We just went through four years of Trump. Four years <laughs> is a long time. Um, a lot can happen, but I don't. I mean, it's the second there's any hint that he's not running for re-election, he becomes a lame duck and nothing happens and we're too much in crisis mode. So I think everybody just has to assume he's running again because we need the, we need that, that momentum towards like, don't think about the presidential election, like think about how to solve the climate issue, COVID, um, immigration, all these issues, you know, DC statehood, we got so much on the plate right now that we need to be able to focus on that without presidential politics starting to get in the way. Because you know that starts if Biden gets reelected in 2024, in you know late 2024, the jockeying for the 2028 presidential election begins, and it's just too distracting. I hate. It. I hate. It. Good point. Good point.
2: All right, folks. Thursday coast. Also, don't forget to check out the brief, which is Marcos's new
1: podcasting podcast. um, now. It's available on YouTube and at the YouTube and, uh, and Facebook daily coast channels, but it's a podcast. It's available on, on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you get your, your podcasts.
2: Everywhere. Check it out. The brief y'all Marcos, Melissa, Thank you, Marcos. Thank you so much. Thanks for getting woke and listening to make it plain. Please remember to listen, like subscribe, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been May plain.